welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Renata van Delft. I'm a health and mindset coach, spaghetti and ice cream lover, travel junk, and a cat mom. I love conversations that are on a more and deeper level. And today I have with me Dr. Linda. Dr. Linda is a board certified pediatrician who is also board certified in pediatric infectious diseases and in integrative and holistic medicine. She has helped thousands of parents just like you over her 33 year career. Today we are going to talk about fatherhood. Fathers are really, really important. So how do you become a super dad? Welcome Linda to the pursuit of healthiness. Today I am excited about the this topic we are going to talk about today because we're going to talk a little bit about fatherhood and just everything that has to do with that and I think dads are really underestimated in these days like it's always the focus on the mom and, and um, the, the father gets left behind but he's as important as the mom is I believe and, and you know everything about that so can you tell a little bit about yourself and what you do and what we are going to talk about today? Yes my name is uh, Dr. Linda Abujaber, and I'm a board-certified pediatrician from the United States. I got my, I have three board certifications actually from the United States. One is in general pediatrics, the other is in pediatric infectious diseases, and the third is in integrative and holistic medicine. I also carried the board in uh, general pediatrics in Jordan. Okay. So I'm, I try to be very culturally aware in everything that I, the, that I speak about because where you come from does inform how you think and how you behave. Yeah. However, I've noticed that in terms of fatherhood, there are a lot, a lot of myths and uh, I, sh- I hate to say wrong, but um, there's misinformation in every culture I've been in about the importance of fathers. And so, um, a few years ago, I set out to uh, teach dads how important they really are and to teach moms how important getting dads involved is because I heard the same questions over and over again. I've been a pediatrician for over 30 years. I had my own holistic medicine practice for 15 years in a, in a small town in Wyoming. I do hypnosis, I do homeopathy, I do uh, Chinese medicine, I do acupuncture, um, I do nutrition, um, I do coaching. And I came to all this, Wananda, because I hated to tell parents there was nothing they could do. That's just, when my, when my daughter was born, she got very sick and they said, I said, well, what's going on? They said, we don't know and there's nothing you can do. Mm. And I thought, well, gee, and thankfully she's fine. But I really didn't like hearing there's nothing you can do as a parent. And then my son was born with a little bit of a unique eye problem. And I went actually, I was lucky enough, I was still doing my training then. I went to a doctor who was the foremost expert in the world on this uh, thing. It was called Duane syndrome. And the guy said, there's absolutely nothing I could do. My my son would have a, 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 a funny looking eye the rest of his life. And I said, you know what? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I, so I set out to look and, and that actually is what started me on my holistic or integrative medicine journey. Because um, as the, more, the longer I practiced, I mean, I thought, well, maybe my experiences with my kids were unique and I'm special or something like that. Turns out I'm not. And being on the receiving end of, of uh, medicine uh, on numerous occasions really made me know that we have to look into alternative I don't even like to call them alternative anymore. They're holistic, you know? There's not one pill for one disease. And that's why I wanted to be on your podcast because I think the message that you're giving is tremendously important. Because, you know, I believe that empowered, because I'm a pediatrician, I believe that empowered moms and dads um, raise healthy, happy, resilient, aware children. And they thrive themselves. And one of my missions is, besides to create a healthy, happy world for everybody, which sounds kind of funny, but that's really what I want to do, is to um, have parents avoid doctors whenever possible and only, you know, and know when they need to go because doctors are very, very helpful when when you need to go. But I've heard so many horror stories about people going to doctors and being told this and that. My mission is to make parents aware. This is what you need to know. If if, If this happens, you do need to get expert help. Yeah. And I also want parents to be empowered to know that they know their children better than anybody else. 
So let's say you go to a doctor and the doctor says, do this and it doesn't sit well with you. Find another doctor, research it, go back. If you really like your doctor, this is what I always used to tell my patients. If I tell you to do something and you don't like it, let's talk about it. Let's find out what your hesitations are. And you know, we always ended up making uh, a decision together. That is better. That's, that's yeah, great. because yeah. you are the expert on your kid or you are the expert on your body. And then the doctor is the expert in general. And so in my super dad formula book, I didn't write about here's what you need to do. I don't believe in that. I believe here are general rules that you need to be aware of. This is what most kids behave like. This is what most relationships go through. This is what most moms and dads go through. First off, so that they would know that they're not alone. Because, you know, being a first-time parent is incredibly isolating. There's a lot of shaming involved, um, a lot of judgment. And the, the real problem is the shaming and the judgment doesn't always come from outside. It comes from inside of our head. And so one of my missions is to teach you how to deal with those voices inside your head. Because they can be the most destructive of all. And again, I wrote the super dad formula because dads are very hesitant to uh, share their real, their real feelings and their real experiences because when the baby's born, they think I have to be strong, I have to provide, I'm supposed to be the, the strength that everybody comes to. And they end up They have stuffing. to be the super dad. Yes. They feel like they have to be the super dad. And there's nothing wrong with being a super dad if you have the right skills. Yeah. You know, stuffing your feelings, stuffing your needs, stuffing your fears, not asking for help are not healthy, not just for the dad, but for the mom and for the baby. Because studies are showing now that fathers who are involved from time of pregnancy have children who are not only physically healthier, they have less incidence of colic, they have less behavioral problems at three to five years of age. They do better in school, they're better, they're more creative, and they're better at problem solving. Yeah. So dads really need to be aware of how important they are. And so I wrote, based on my book and based on my experience with lots and lots of parents, I've been very lucky because over the years, I, I had relationships with my parents, both the males and the females or the masculine and the feminine parents. And they would tell me things that they wouldn't tell other people because they knew I wouldn't tell on them. Yeah. And so I was very privileged to be able to see firsthand, this isn't just research that I did, I was privileged to see firsthand the fears that dad have and the things, you know, and the ways that I taught them little things that made huge impact, not only on them, but on their relationships and on their children. So here's a very short list of things that I believe are the basics of being a super dad. Okay. First off, sure. a super dad is curious. He doesn't know everything because you know what? If you know everything, you can't learn anything. He's open to learning, but more important, he's open to asking for help and support. And he needs to be careful where he goes for help and support. I mean, other dads at his same level, may, you know, where he is in the journey may not be the best source. Maybe a grandfather, maybe a father, if they get along, maybe a trusted mentor. So that is very important that they're open to that. They're not afraid of making mistakes. Men have this thing about, I don't know how to do it perfectly, so I'm not gonna do it at all. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because you know what? Women are not born with the gene of, I know exactly how to change a diaper. I know exactly what the baby's <laughs> crying. And exactly. I've had so many dads tell me, moms know how to do all this stuff and I'm gonna let her deal with the baby when they're very little. And then when I start talking and playing, I'll play with them. And I'll say, well, first off, you gotta know that your wife doesn't really know much more than you do, unless she's been around babies or she's had training, she's a nurse, she's a doctor or something like that. But I have to say when I was, when I, I was a board certified pediatrician when I had my first baby and I was shocked. I mean, parenthood was nothing like I thought. And, and I was prepared, you know, I was the expert yeah. people came to at the time for parenting advice. And I have to say, I also became a very different pediatrician after I became a parent because it's like, I used to say stuff and now I cringe to think those, those things that I say. But I wasn't a pediatrician for very long before I became a mom, so I didn't do too much damage. Okay. <laughs> um, the father, uh, super fathers are working on being self-aware. Now, what I mean about that is they're willing to take responsibility for how they feel. 
you know, they're not looking at the wife or at their partner or at the baby and saying, you're making me feel like this. They're saying, okay, I feel a certain way. I'm going to take responsibility, not to blame myself, but to, but to take the steps I need to deal with my stress. Because let's be honest, being a first time parent, being a parent in general can be overwhelming and there's a lot of stress involved in it. And with COVID and the change of life and the fears that we have, I mean, stress is, and, and everybody is on the rise. So that's one of the things I actually wrote about in the book, which I published pre-COVID was how to manage your stress in healthy ways. Um, a father that's a super dad thinks before he acts. He doesn't, you know, a lot of what happens is we, we, we talk about intentionality a lot. Yeah. You know, and I remember when I was a first time mom, things would fly out of my mouth that I promised myself as a kid, I would never say to my kids. I think and a lot they, of parents yeah. have that. <laughs> yeah. So I came up with something called the stills method, which is stop, take three deep breaths, investigate how you feel, lean into it. So allow yourself to feel angry. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry. Yeah. And I think too many people suppress their anger. And I think that's one of the reasons we have a lot of cancer in the world right now is energy that's, that's, that's not uh, expressed in healthy ways can actually, it works against us. Mm -hmm. Lean into it and then let it go. And then de decide, set your intention for how you're going to go forth. So let's say something was about to fly out of your mouth. You were going to say something to your partner that you knew you were going to regret. If you stop, you know, you imagine a nice big red stop sign or have them around the house if you tend to, to, to have issues with that. Have them around the house and look at them. And then take three deep breaths. That breaks the cycle of uh, the fight or flight cycle. It actually lowers the level of adrenaline and cortisol that you're secreting. So that gives you access to the higher levels of your brain. Once you have access to the executive and the higher levels of your brain, you're not gonna act from your, um, from your instinctual mode where you're attacking somebody who's about to, to hurt you, you're actually saying, hmm, is what I'm gonna say helpful? Is this the right time? Am I gonna say it in the right way? So you think you investigate how you feel. Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I feeling defensive? Am I feeling like my, my partner isn't appreciating me? And that actually gives you access to a whole bunch of different uh, avenues that aren't um, available to you when you're not being intentional. That's why I like parents to learn this little method. It's, it's, a, then, great uh, method. Hmm? it's a great method. Like I, I think you can use it in, in life in general, not just for parenting. But. Yeah. But I don't like to talk about, I can talk about life in general because I lived a lot of life. Yeah. <laughs> but because I talk to parents, you see, the thing is, the way we talk to our children will become the way they talk to themselves. The way we talk to each other as a couple is the way our children are going to learn how to talk to each other and talk exactly. to themselves. And once they so, are grown up, that's the newer generation. Like I see yeah. a lot, of, if I look at the older generation right now, they really often um, talk bad about my generation or even below me. And I'm like, but you are the ones that raised us. So yeah. you're basically looking at yourself. <laughs> yes. And you see, parenting is a journey of learning. Yeah. You try something and it doesn't work out. You don't stay stuck in it and say, you know, I used to ask, my kids would say to me, mom, I want to do this. And I'll say, you can't do it. It's just not the right thing to do. And they'd say, well, everybody's doing it. And, you know, my dad used to say to me, if somebody jumped off the bridge, oh, would you yeah. jump off the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a stupid thing. But yes, the answer is yes. If everybody's doing it, I'm going to do it too. Because I'm not, reason. <laughs> yes, I'm not brave enough to be different. Yeah. So... There's a stupid joke that I like to tell. I don't know where I heard it. It's not, you know, it's not my own joke, but this lady was cooking a roast with her mother and they cut off this piece of roast, put it in the pan. And so the mother asked her mother, uh, the little girl asked her mother, why do we cut that piece of meat like that? And the mother said, you know, I don't know. We've always done it that way. And so um, the mother said, well, and the little girl said, well, why do we, did we always do it that way? It's, I mean, is there a reason for that? She said, well, I'm sure there's a very good reason. Let's go ask your grandmother. So they went and asked the grandmother. And the grandmother said, well, the reason I cut it that way is I never had a pan that could fit the roast without cutting that piece off. Mm. So it wasn't actually a thought out decision. It was just something she did. And then it became tradition. Yeah. So, you know, it's really important that we look back through our traditions mm -hmm. and, and think about, you know, if my mother did this to me, 
and it was good for me, then I'm going to continue to do it. But if my mother or my father, you see a lot of dads have a lot of fears. We're going to talk about those in a minute that we don't realize that they're having. Uh, let's just finish the, the last uh, couple of skills. He, the father who is aware or a super dad balances self-care with care of his partner, with care of the baby. And sometimes it's gonna be out of balance. Sometimes the baby's gonna take all of the attention, but then after that phase goes by, it's really important that he takes a step back and says, okay, what do I need? What does my partner need? How are we going to work together as a team to, to, to do this? Because you know, dads take too much responsibility on themselves and um, they forget that there's a partner there and the partner feels left out. If the husband goes off or the father or the, the, the masculine partner goes off and says, I'm big and strong and I don't have any needs. They don't realize that the partner is looking, but I need you. You're shutting me out. I want to talk to you. Part of what makes me feel good or makes our relationship good is our care of each other. If you close that door, I'm, I'm, I'm all alone, literally and figuratively. You know, you're physically there, but you're not yeah. there. So it's really important that dads pay attention to that. And moms, you see, because mothers who are aware of these things are, uh, or women, you know, because we're more touchy-feely, you know, men don't do yeah. the touchy-feely thing. <laughs> they actually do do the touchy-feely thing, but they're taught to suppress it or not to express it. And one of the best people to get touchy-feely out of a husband is the wife, because that's, there's a trust relationship in there. Mm -hmm. So that's what you want to build is a relationship of trust with your husband or your partner so that you can get that touchy-feely part out. You won't show it to anybody else, but as long as you, you are trustworthy and you don't ever violate that, it's, very, it's really important. Yeah. And then uh, we talked about working together as a cohesive team. It's not she gets to do everything, he gets to do everything. All the attention goes on the baby. We look at things, we say, this is what's needed for the baby. This is what's needed for our relationship. This is what's needed to take care of me and you. And how are we gonna distribute all of that in a way that makes all of us happy? Yeah. Or in a way that, you know, I'm happy one time and you're happy the other. There's a balancing act. Yeah, I don't believe it's 50-50. I there maybe it sometimes it's 80 20 maybe it's 70 30 or 40 60 it, it can vary as yeah. long as you yeah as long as you're in agreement about it exactly. i mean it can even be a hundred nothing sometimes i mean if the dad is sick if the mom is sick i mean i can't tell you how many fathers i've trained to help their wives going through postpartum depression because people don't realize how severely postpartum untreated postpartum depression affects the baby it doesn't just affect the relationship it affects the baby babies don't make a good bond with with either one of the parents if the dad doesn't get involved they're more colicky they have more health problems they uh, they they don't really trust people they're fussier yeah and they don't feel safe in the world and i taught many dads i say look your wife has postpartum depression right now <clears throat> until she gets better you need to step up and be the primary caregiver. Yeah. And it's fabulous to see, you know, here's what you need to know. You know, you're not going to break the kid. Here's how to pick up the kid. Here's how, you know, here's a list of why babies, why your baby's crying. Here's a list of things that you can do to make the baby feel better. And you give them a little bit and that's shine, you know? Yeah. And, but what moms don't realize is, let's say you tell your, your, your uh, he goes and changes, the diaper comes back, the diaper's all crookedy and, and all wrong. What you got to do with a dad, especially a first time dad, is say that's really fabulous. And maybe next time you can watch me do it. Don't say, oh my God, you did it all wrong. Let me do it. If you, you want to do anything right, you know, if, if, you, if I want anything done right, I got to do it again. Because guess what? That dad's not going to try again. No. It's just, it's just a male kind of thing, you know? You know, they, they want to do it right. They want to be the he-man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, the dads or masculine people, mascul the masculine energy in a relationship, they seem to be driven by the three P's, to possess, to provide, and to uh, protect. So a lot of times, uh, it, you know, these things need to be in balance. So a lot of times dad will think to protect their children from them breaking them, they don't get involved. Yeah. And so my answer to that is, let me show you how not to break the baby. <laughs> you know, the only thing you should never, never do with a newborn is shake them. No. Other than that, you know, I've had babies and I would never recommend this. I've had babies dropped on their head, falling out of their beds. I mean, 
it happened happen. to my sister. Like when my brother hold her, he let her fall two times. Uh, yeah. But she's fine. <laughs> like right. babies uh, can, can take on a lot. They're resilient. I mean, yeah. let's say that baby's head went through a canal that is way smaller than their head and they, they came through it. Now, obviously, I don't recommend any of those behaviors. I recommend no, no, that dad and mom <laughs> learn how to do these things so that they have the confidence. Because, yeah. I mean, I've watched dad sweating and, and bullets carrying this kid, worrying that they're going to break him. And I say, you're not going to break him. Just don't shake him. Yeah. You know, maybe I should patent that. You're not going to break them. Don't just don't shake them, yeah. because that's you know shaking baby syndrome is, is is a very dangerous thing. And I've had dads do that, and that's because they just don't realize how to manage. This is why being aware of your own feelings is so tremendously important. You know, if your baby is crying and mom's not home and there's nothing you can do, walk away. Crying does not hurt the baby. You know, and every dad that I've had that has had a shaken baby were actually very nice men. They just lost control in a minute. Weren't aware of what they, you know, weren't self-aware enough to say, I'm putting my baby down and I'm walking away. And a couple of the babies were very badly hurt. Mm. And that's something that, you know, and I, I actually was privileged enough to watch the, the family actually come back together and to be part of the healing process. You know, we make, the, we make sure the dad takes uh, uh, an anger management class. We make sure the dads take uh, classes in, um, in baby care. We make sure they take uh, classes in relationships. And then once they go through all these things, slowly they can be integrated back in the family. Not sure why I went off on that tangent, but it's really important that parents know that. Um, and, and in terms of uh, providing, this is a complaint I get up. I got, oh my God, I don't know how many times over the last 30 years. My husband doesn't love me. He's at work all the time. Yeah. And then I talk to the husband, of course, you know, independently. And he'll say, my wife doesn't appreciate me. I'm at work all the time, killing myself, trying to provide. And I, it's, it's really funny because it's happened in two totally different cultures, like in the United States and in the Middle East and it's just a matter of the father's idea of providing needs a little bit of tweaking. Providing is not just about money. Providing is about providing your presence. It's about providing your strengths to your partner when she feels totally overwhelmed and like life is spinning out of, of, of control. And if she has to change one more dirty diaper, she's gonna run away and hide, Yeah. right? And it's also providing for the baby because uh, it's really interesting, the studies that are being done on the, on the uh, effective fathers on babies. That, did you know that when a mother uh, uh, plays with a little newborn, like two or three weeks old, the heart rate goes down, their pupils dilate, they get their respiratory rate, their breathing rate goes down. Where a dad doing the exact same thing as the mom's doing, the heart rate goes up, their pupils um, get smaller, oh, really? and they get more excited. But it's it's not a bad excitation. It's not fear. It's just a different type different type of stimulation. And they're looking into which parts of the brain are stimulated, and interaction really with the dad. Yes, interaction with the dad stimulates different areas and interaction with the mom. Yeah, you know, I, I've heard uh, lately, I saw a video um, that um, dads often get called out because moms always know, for example, the teacher's name and their favorite book or something like that. Like moms know it all. It's, it's what they make it out to be. But dad know different kid, different things about that kid that moms don't know. So it's it's so like, of course, a dad knows that kid, but just different things. But mm -hmm. often we don't speak about that because uh, apparently it's important to know the teacher's name of your kid and a favorite meal or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, that's not not just it's things. important to the mom. Yeah. You see, and this is why relationship care is so tremendously important. And in my book, in the Super Dad Formula, I actually give skills like active communication, empathy, how to, um, you know, I need to add a part about how to fight clean because everybody's gonna fight. I mean, anybody who tells me I never fight with my husband, I get very concerned. I actually do get concerned because yeah. fighting is part of, of living in the same house with anybody. When a baby comes, it's actually the, born, the, the birth of a baby is one of the biggest stress, stressors any relationship can go through. Yeah. So, you know, you need to learn how to fight clean. 
because everybody's going to fight. It's how to manage the conflict that's tremendously important. Yeah. Empathy means the father can look at the, the mother's point of view and not judge it and take it into account in the interaction. And the mother can do that too, because the mom needs to see where the dad's coming from too. He might be coming from a place that is she's actually in accordance with, but because they're not talking about it, you know, maybe the dad doesn't know the name of the teacher, but he knows everything that goes on in the class that she doesn't know. And they're not talking yeah. because they put their relationship on hold until the babies leave home. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not, that's not very healthy because the, the marriage relationship, the health of the marriage relationship actually impacts directly on the physical, emotional, and mental health of the child. Yeah. So when you neglect that, you are neglecting to teach your kid a whole bunch of things that they need to know how, like how to choose a partner, how to communicate with a partner. What does a good relationship look like? Yeah. You know, how do you fight clean? Because, you know, fighting is, like I said, is not a bad thing. I don't know why I'm talking about fighting, yeah. but it's true. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, I never fight with my wife. It's like, well, why not? I live, my husband, um, he, he died. Not 10 years ago, but we had a 20 year marriage. Um, in the times when we didn't fight, that meant that we really weren't get, getting along. So I'd go pick a fight with him. Really? And we, yeah, because you know, the, the, the areas of communication weren't open. And that, I used to do that with my teenage kids too. When they used to get too quiet, wouldn't interact with me, I'd go say something that irritated the heck out of them. <laughs> and the lines of communication would open up again. Yeah, well, it's a good way, yeah. yeah. So dads have different worries than moms. One of the biggest, the same dads have the same worry as mom is, will I be a good dad? But they also have different worries. Like I didn't have a good role, role model. Dads actually think about this. I did not have a good role model. I didn't like the way my dad was, but I don't know how to be a better dad. They actually worry about these things. And they worry about, you know, what will happen to our relationship? Who's going to take care of me? You know, they're not necessarily jealous of the baby, but they're jealous of the attention that, you know, when you're first married and you, you know, you're all lovey-dovey. And then during pregnancy, you get close, hopefully, if you involve him in, the, in, in, in you know, getting in, uh, to your appointments and stuff like that. But after that, you know, if you take all your energy, like your breastfeeding, all these things, dads get worried about that. Yeah. And so it's really important that during the pregnancy, you address these things. Um, and then, you know, some dads have actually shared with me, I don't want to grow up and become an adult. I want to stay the way I am. They're that self-aware that they know that they're going to have to learn. And so it's something that, you know, you as a couple can actually talk about or find, uh, you know, uh, somebody that the man trusts that he can talk to. Yeah. You know, but like, a, a thing that I also believe is that a lot of people, a lot of women and men, like they, they have the feeling that they have to be some someone else once they become a parent but I'm like yeah but you of course you have another human to take care of but you are still you like you are a person you have your own passion so you should not lose yourself and just become a mom and just become a dad you are so much more so you can still do those fun things but I wouldn't say go out every weekend like you did before obviously but <laughs> you know you you still have to care for your for your baby but you can still do fun things. You just have to adjust a little bit. But I, I don't think you should lose yourself once that becomes. And I think a lot of people use having a baby or having children as an excuse to stop doing things. I don't know if they use it as an excuse to stop doing things, but they get so focused on the fact that they have to sacrifice themselves, yeah. which is a terrible myth. And they, some moms have actually shared with me, I feel guilty when I go out and get a manicure, pedicure. And I'll say, you know what? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? It's not that they, they use them as an excuse. They just, it's so beat into us. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, I think that's more what I mean. Like we're so... We look at our mothers, oh, I sacrificed my whole life for you. Yeah. And you're thinking as a millennial, well, why'd you do that? I didn't ask you to, right? Yeah, I'm like, I didn't ask the board. You chose. <laughs> I actually said that to my kids one day, just in a dramatic moment, because I actually did not, I was self-aware enough to take care of me yeah. after a while. I actually, in the beginning, did self-sacrifice. 
And then after a few years, I said, this isn't working for me. Let me figure out a way to balance. Yeah. So, but in a dramatic moment, I said to my kids, I gave my life up for you. And they both independently said, I didn't ask you to. Yeah. That was a shocker for me. But thankfully, I didn't give up my life. I mean, I pursued, I, well, after they were born, I learned how to do acupuncture and homeopathy. And I learned how to do energy work and, you know, all that good stuff. And I had a full-time practice. But you see, we're, we're, we're left with the myth of this, this self-sacrifice, both yeah. fathers and mothers. Yeah. And what parents don't realize is the more fulfilled you are as a mother or a father, the more fulfilled your child will be. Because what are you teaching them? They're watching what you're doing. Yeah. You know, nobody, exactly. you know, a mother who feels like she's given herself up and she's a victim of her life is going to raise victims of their own life. Because yeah. unfortunately, the kid is not watching what she's saying. The child is watching what she's doing. Exactly. And if she hears, oh, I gave up my life for those kids, you know, whatever she hear, whatever they hear is going to be the voice that goes in their head. Oh, my mother gave up their, her life for me. That means I have to give up my life for my kids. Yeah. And guess what? Either they're not going to have kids. And that's, I'm noticing that quite a few millennials are deciding not to have kids or to wait. Yeah. Or they have kids and repeat the cycle and wounded people raise wounded people. And, you know, my thing is, uh, what I'm trying to do is prevent people from transmitting their wounds to their children. And one of the one of the basic wounds is, I can't be me, I can't take care of me. And that actually goes back to a very deep underlying belief that a lot of us have is I'm not lovable, and I've got to earn love. Yeah. And one of the ways to earn love is to be a super mom or a super dad. And people don't realize that that person in the mirror that we're looking at is the most important person that needs to love us because yeah. they're the only person that will never go away. And yes, we need to grow true. that person and we need to groom that person and we need to care for that person because that person is the center of your life. You are the center of your life. Yeah. When you are fulfilled and happy and you're showing your kid, you know what? You sh I used to tell my kids, I'm really, really mad right now. So I'm going to go take a time out. And I would actually go take a time out. And you know, guess what my kids learned? They'd say, yeah. I'm mad. I'm going to go take a time out. Yeah. And then I would, because I would sit in my room and I would think, okay, because my kids were 15 months apart and they drove me crazy some days. I mean, I think they woke up in the morning, had a little bit of a powwow, how they were going to drive me crazy and went after me. And after a couple of days of craziness like that, I said, you know what? This isn't going to happen. I'm going to be different. And so I decided to be different. And so I started giving myself time down. Yeah. But that's what you see. This is why self-awareness is so important for both parents. But yeah. since we're talking about dad, that's important for dad. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the, I think we've talked how long now? Is it? Uh, about 40, 30 minutes. 30, okay. 30 minutes. I can talk some more. Should I talk some more? Yeah, you can. Okay. I have time. I, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a great advocate of planning ahead. So this is part of what I wrote in my book, in the Super Dad book, is, you know, you want to plan while you're pregnant because you don't want, you know, you don't realize that when the baby comes, you hit the ground running. That yeah. baby wants what they want. They want it 10 minutes ago. They don't care if you're tired. They don't care if you're overwhelmed. They don't care if you haven't eaten in the day. They don't care if you haven't showered in 10 days. They don't care because they want to survive and you are their method for survival. And I love children, but they got to train you and they got to train you fast and they'll do whatever they need to do that. Yeah. And that's why parents need to be, the, the, be able to take a step back and be more self-aware. So some decisions I always tell parents to, they need to think about before they have the baby is, are we gonna breastfeed or bottle feed? And yeah. why is that important? Because breastfeeding is not an instinctual thing for a lot of people. You know, you really need to think about if you're gonna breastfeed, you probably should take a class or at least learn the basics of breastfeeding. Like the most important thing that most people don't realize about breastfeeding is that the baby needs to latch on right. If you get the latch on right, you're, you're 80 to 90% of the way towards breastfeeding properly. Yeah. But if you don't want to breastfeed, if it's a decision that, you know, you don't have the personality, you can't for some physical reason, um, then you explore bottle feeding and you have to deal with the shame that you might come against. 
because there yeah. is a lot of shaming amongst moms. Oh, I breastfed my kid till they were 85 years old and you're giving your kid a bottle. And my thing is fed is best. I'm a big, big, big proponent of breastfeeding, but not everybody can do it. And we shouldn't shame mothers who can't do it. No. You know, and they might not be able to do it, like I said, for physical reasons, but there's some moms that want to go back to work and they are not in a place where they can pump. Some moms want to breastfeed and that's beautiful. And then you yeah. plan for that, you know, how yeah. does that make sense? And yeah, yeah, and, totally. And then the dad comes to the class and that's important because the, the studies have shown that when the dad is involved in breastfeeding, there is a higher success rate of breastfeeding and mothers breastfeed longer when dads are involved in breastfeeding. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, I, this is why I wrote the book. It's because yeah. dads really don't realize how really, really important, and neither do moms. Because I think that if moms knew this, they would lasso <laughs> their husbands in and say, you gotta come to this class because I'm gonna need help. Yeah, but, but how can a dad help in that situation? Because breastfeeding is, oh. you know, okay. the woman has First to do it. So how can you... What can moms and what can dads do if they choose to, to breastfeed? Okay, in terms of breastfeeding, dads can learn how to help the baby latch on properly. Dads can learn some coaching skills for the mom because she's gonna be saying, the baby doesn't latch on right, the baby's screaming, the baby's hungry and I don't know what to do. If he took a breastfeeding class, he can say, look, the baby is only gonna breastfeed for five to 10 minutes on each side. And then the baby's gonna rest for an hour and a half, then they're gonna be hungry again. So this is normal. This is nothing that you need to worry about. You know, when the partner is involved, he can calm the mama down or he can say, okay, let's take a deep breath. I'm gonna take the baby and calm the baby down. You take three deep breaths, go take, drink a glass of water, take a cup of tea, whatever it is she needs to do. And let's come back to this. Because the, ba the father can be a huge support because most of the reasons why moms don't breastfeed or breastfeeding fails is because moms think that their milk isn't enough. And so I need, or we need as a, as a society, we need the dads to be able to say, you are good enough. Yeah. This is normal. I, will, I am here for you. Because it takes about a week to 10 days for breastfeeding to really go well. And most people don't realize that. You know, you watch those videos on YouTube and oh, the baby opens up their mouth really wide. The mother inserts the breast and breastfeeding is going beautifully. Yeah. They don't see the hours and days of agony and crying and tears on both sides where, you know, everybody was going, tearing, the tearing out of hair saying, I can't do this. Yeah. And the dad can be very helpful with that. Once breastfeeding is going well, he can change the baby during the breastfeed. He can burp the baby. Once breastfeeding is established properly, which is about four weeks, he can actually start giving the baby a little a feed sometimes during the night to help the mom go to help the mom sleep a little bit longer. Yeah. But you do not want to introduce a bottle or a nipple or anything before four weeks because babies are really, really smart. They don't. I mean, people say babies get nipple confused, which drives me crazy. There are a very small proportion of babies that get nipple confused, but what it is, is think about it as a human being, you get a bottle put in your mouth and the, and the milk drips and you have to put minimal effort or I got to open up my mouth really wide. I got to latch on to the, to the um, areola and I got to suck really hard. Which would you choose as a human being, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I mean, let's face it, he wants to train you to feed him. Yeah. And he wants to put, or she wants to put the minimal effort into it. I mean, because, and, and that's basically what happens. But at four weeks, the baby is used to you. You're used to it. You've got rhythm going, your milk is in, they like your milk. So that is when, you know, that's when dad can actually start giving a feed. Yeah. If you're going to go back to work, the dad can help you with the pumping and the storage of the milk. You see? Yes. So, and, and let's say, God forbid, you have a baby and for the first day you can't breastfeed the baby. What can they, what can dad do? You can do some manual massage. You can get the little colostrum out. It's only about five cc's, which is a teensy little bit. And the big dad can put it in a spoon and give it to the baby instead of having to use a bottle and then all those problems that happen after the baby's born. You yeah. see? Yeah. So dad well, can, can do a lot. Hmm? Yeah. Dad can do a lot. That can do a lot. And that's what people don't realize. Oh, I'm going to breastfeed. I'm on my own. 
uh-uh, you're not on your own. You know, tag team during the night. You breastfeed, he takes care of the rest. You go back to sleep, he takes care of the burping and the changing and stuff like that. When the baby gets older, look, I need a couple nights of, of good sleep. I'm gonna pump some, you'll get to do the night feeds. But again, you have to have empathy, you have to have compassion, you have to work together as a team. The dad needs to know how to manage his stress. Let's say you go back to sleep and the baby starts screaming. He can either wake you up or he can learn the stress management techniques, which are fairly easy, as long as you're using like deep breathing or yeah. saying a mantra or, you know what I mean? Or, you know, practicing gratitude. And then he goes back to calming the baby down, you see? Because we want dad to have positive experiences. And the more positive experiences he has with the baby, the more the bonding will be secure. And babies with secure bonds to both the parents thrive. They're resilient, they're happy, they're creative. They do really, really well in life. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I have a question though. Um, it just popped up into my head. Because what I often see with uh, relationships um, and raising their children when they are a little bit older, I often see that they say to the children, you know, be careful because otherwise I will call you dad or I will call you mom. So you create that fear of the other parents. So what are your tips when it, when it comes to that, to not go into that state? Because I know that's how I was raised, you know, be careful because otherwise I will call mom or I, you know. And I don't think that's fair uh, for either of the parents to do that. And it's actually not effective parenting. No, exactly. Especially when the children are young, the consequence needs to be at the same time as the behavior. Yeah. So if you do a behavior, you're a couple, you're two or three years old. The consequence of the behavior needs to be immediate. So saying, wait until your dad comes home, number one, is not effective because you're going to notice that the kid's going to keep on doing it. Yeah. Number two, when the father comes home, He's not going to discipline the kid. He wants to be the good guy. Yeah. You know, he's been away at work all day, killing himself, according to his story, killing, which he is. I mean, and I'm not saying according to his story in a bad way, but in his mind, unless you've really talked about this, I'm killing myself. And now you want me to discipline this kid I haven't seen all day. How are they going to love me? So you're putting a lot of stress on your relationship with your husband. That's two. Number three is they're not going to listen to you. If you keep saying, if you're not the, you see, I believe the discipline of a child is love. Discipline does not mean punishment. Discipline means that when you do something, let's say you jump in front of a car, you're going to get hit by the car. Yeah. That's a consequence, right? Discipline means that you, that you, you decide what the consequence of the behavior is and you enforce it. The consequence could be going to their room, timeout. The consequence could be going to the calming corner, you know, depending on the child, because, you know, every child needs a little bit different way of discipline because, yeah. you know, there's not one size fits all of discipline. You know, positive discipline True. is great, but kids don't like, kids that aren't going to listen to you for endless, you know, you, you're sitting down with this two-year-old and you're talking for half an hour, convincing them, they're going to go back and do it again because people, children are people of action. Yeah. It's like with breastfeeding. You know, a lot of times when the baby starts to, to teeth, even in the first year of life, the baby starts to teeth, they'll start uh, chomping down on the breast. Yeah. What can mom do? She can take the baby off immediately saying, no, that's not acceptable behavior. You don't want to use the word no, I'm fine with that. But say that's not acceptable behavior. The baby will scream like you are tearing their hair out or beating them. But basically you have to do that. Otherwise, what happens? You're going to get a cut on your breast and you could get mastitis and not be able to breastfeed for a few days. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous. So that's actually one of the first acts of discipline. You see? Yeah. So I don't, I, I believe that discipline is a type of love for the child. And children will always go towards parents that discipline them in times of trouble. Because they know I can only go this far. If I go farther than that, mom or dad is going to push me back. So when you're giving the dis onus of discipline to the father, you're actually telling the child, you can trust your father to keep you safe more than you can trust me. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I haven't seen it in that way, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it's, it's knowing what is coming. You know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can trust that. Yeah. This is because my dad says something and he does it. My mom says something and she doesn't follow through. 
Who do you trust? Yeah, that. And then I will push even further. And then right. maybe kids, if, if, if I look, for example, at my sister, she's really great at it, at, at pushing and pushing until she cannot go any further. It's also just testing the parent. Yeah. Like, how, how far can I go? Not, not necessarily because she wants to act out. It's just seeing if she pushes through this time. Like, if she really... It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. What I tell people, especially parents of toddlers, your baby, your toddler has nothing better to do than to get you to do what they want you to do. Yeah. They've got all day, 24 hours, seven days a week. Yeah. And they're going to do it. You, on the other hand, have a house, maybe a job, a husband, friends, a life, and you forget. So it's really important when you decide that you and dad, again, dads are tremendously important. You sit down and you decide how you're going to discipline and what you're going to do because it's consistency is important. Whoever happens to be in the room needs to do the discipline. So it's not like, you know, wait till your dad comes home. It's okay. I'm in the room. I get to discipline. Dad's in the room. Dad gets to discipline. Yeah. And if you have arguments about discipline, it's tremendously important to take those away from the children because then they learn, oh, I can go to dad. Yeah. See, I was a disciplinarian in my house. And whenever the children had a problem, guess who they came to? They came to me. I was always the mean mom and they didn't love me and I was so mean. But when they had a big problem, I was the person they came to. Yeah, I think maybe it's also showing strength. So if they are in, in trouble, you become the provider and, and the strength to help them out that situation. And well, they know you're going to tell them the way it is. Yeah. See, I'm honest. I didn't like that behavior. I gave them a consequence. I didn't not like the behavior and do nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know? Is, it's is subtle. It... The kids are subtle. I mean, the thing is, parents don't realize that children are geniuses. And they, they get are. the subtleties of <laughs> They, 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 they get the subtleties of human relationships. You're, they you're, you know, know out everything. there living your life. Mm-hmm. They notice everything. And it's important that you notice what you're, you know, what you're doing. So another thing that you want to talk about before the baby's born is, are you going to circumcise your kid or not? Because, you know, they're going to ask you in the first couple of days after the baby is born. That's not the time when you want to make, do your research and decide if you're going to do it or not. Yeah. And talk about it. And, and, and it's a big topic right now. People are all over the place. I don't have an opinion. I believe that it's a personal thing between, you know, God, source, whatever, the parents and the baby. Um, and, but there are like medical advantages to circumcision. There are, you know, yeah. supposed disadvantages. I don't, I don't get into the middle of that. I just tell parents, be ready. Cause if I'm gonna, you know, if you wanna circumcise your kids, you wanna do it in the first 48 hours. Because you don't, you know, it's, uh, it's easier to control the pain and everything. Yeah. So that's a decision. Another really important decision they need to talk about is, are you going to work outside the home? Who's going to work outside the home? You know, because now with gender roles changing, sometimes the dad's a stay-at-home dad, the mom's the, 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 the uh, provider. Yeah. So, you know, what are your roles going to be? What, what, it's important to talk about that. You know, communication is key, home? again, like communication... Yeah always communication and 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 self-love as well i believe that if you i I don't of course kids are your everything but i believe that you come first your relationship second and then your child because if you don't feel as we've talked about before you have to feel great so you can be in a great relationship so you can be the best parent to your kid I don't put it in gradations because they're all equally important. Of course, but you, all, you... And that's why I talked about in terms of the balance, sometimes yeah. the baby's going to get 100% and, and you and your relationship will get nothing. And yeah. then you're going to go back and the baby gets a third and you get a third. You yeah. see, because it's, um, you know, people talk about balance. Like you can say the baby's going to get a third, I'm going to get a third and the relationship's going to get a third. That's not the way life works. No. Life is very interesting like that. And so what you do is you say, okay, we've neglected this for a few weeks. Let's go back and we'll talk about it as, as, as a partnership. Yeah. It's really important for me to go out and get a manicure because that's my thing. 
Are you cool with that? Well, I haven't had any time alone either. Okay, I'll go out and get a manicure. You can go out and, and you know, have a, 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 a cup of coffee with your friends, yeah. you know, balance it out. This way, it's not all on one side or on the other. And that, even the, that type of self-care strengthens your relationship because yeah. you negotiated. Yes, exactly. And that's why conflict resolution is important. Why uh, uh, expressing your, your, that's why active communication is a skill I actually talk about in the book is how you do it. Because telling somebody you make me feel like this or you did this is just shuts things down. One person's on the defensive and the other isn't. Exactly. And another thing you need to look into is finances because finances are a huge source of problem in relationship. Absolutely. You see, and that's, yeah. that, needs to be, uh, that needs to be accounted for. Because like, um, I, I think I calculated it's 142,700 mLs of formula for the first year. Yeah, that's a lot. Right? So breast milk is obviously the more economic way to go. It's also the healthier way to go. Yeah. Um, uh, diapers, you want to use, you know, these are things that you want to talk about as a couple. Millennials, I know you're very conscious of the eco, of the ecosystem, but if somebody's going to stay home and you just can't do the eco-friendly you know you need to talk about that and not fight about it you know well, i want to use disposable diapers well i don't want to use disposable diapers so what's what's a nice uh it's a silly thing but you find when you're overwhelmed and tired you're going to fight about really silly things so yeah. decide to look into it because when you get diapers you know how much is it going to cost to send them out Am I going to wash them at home? How many do I need? You know, then you need the covers. There's all these little things that people don't notice. We need to put that into our budget. Yeah. If you decide not to work outside the home. Dad decides to stay. Who's going to offset that finance? You know, it's important that you have those plans because that causes a lot of stress in the relationship and stress in the relationship causes a stressed baby. Yeah. And stressed babies are not happy babies. And so it's a vicious cycle. Exactly. Which is why, and, and, and dad should not be the only one involved in that because a lot of mothers, I have to say, a lot of mothers will say, well, he takes care of the finances. And I'm thinking, not a good idea because you, you need to have a say too. You don't want to be, have to go to him all the time and say, I need $10 or whatever yeah. it is I need. Or discover later on that he was doing something with your finances that you didn't like. It's a trust issue, but it's also important. You know, because yes. both of you need, and I don't think that the, the wife or the mother should have uh, sole uh, control no, over it's, that. It's, it's something you should manage together. Like you should yeah. know. I mean, put a budget. What's your budget now? What's your budget going to be after the baby's born? Little practical things like this are tremendously important. Yeah, I'm actually doing another episode about that because so many people are afraid to look at their finances, but it is so necessary. You need to know what's going in or what's coming in and what's going out, what can you save, what is really important, what can we, you know, just not buy, uh, where's the money going? It's so, so important. And as you said, it's it's one of the biggest stress factors in a relationship. So you need to get your finances straight. Because it affects the health of the baby. I mean, because I think people wonder, why is a pediatrician I'm talking about this? Ultimately, I want healthy, happy, resilient babies. Yeah. And healthy, happy, resilient babies grow in healthy, happy, resilient homes. Exactly. And healthy, happy, resilient homes have a budget. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they have a, a, an emergency fund. They've got all sorts of things. And let, let, let me talk about the soft skills that parents, I think, can look into while they're pregnant. Yeah. About active communication we talked about, how to fight properly, the five love languages. You know, oh, do yes, you know I love it. Hmm? Yes. Uh, I, I said I love it. I love love languages. Like, I, yeah. luckily, we we discussed it a couple of years ago. We know it. <laughs> Which is Me beautiful. But yeah. some parents don't. I mean, because I have mothers coming and saying, my husband doesn't love me. And I'll say, but he did. And then I'll ask him and he'll say, well, I did this, this, and this. Yeah. And it turns out they're just speaking different love languages. Giving her exactly. a gift was not her love language. She wanted him to spend time with her. And once the, 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 the two partners know what their love languages are, they can start expressing in the, in the way that the other appreciates or to say, look, I'm giving you a gift because I love you. I need you to know this. I'm trying to learn your love language, but right now this is, you know, and so it, that's tremendously important. Yeah. Empathy, being able to see what like, the mother, you know, the dad, a lot of times will say, well, I want to be intimate with my wife and the wife is going, I'm 
I'm fat. My hair is grungy. I haven't slept in days. I haven't showered in days. I don't feel like I want to be intimate. So okay. are, what ways can you be intimate when you're not actually having sex, when you're not feeling intimate? You know, can okay. you hold hands? Can you spoon? Can you, you know, walk on the beach? Can you recite poetry? Everybody has their own way. So this is a, because this comes up a lot. And then stress management techniques, because anybody that thinks that having a child is a walk in the park can come talk to me. And I'm not saying that because I, I mean or anything like that, but I'm a pediatrician and I was shocked. And my children taught me the very best thing, the things. I mean, I learned a lot of the things that I learned because of them. Yeah. You know, like I said, when, the, when that nasty thing would come out of my mouth that I promised myself, I caught myself. I said, what the heck are you doing? Don't do that. You know, you're teaching people not to do that and you're doing it yourself. You know, you've got to take sometimes a look in the mirror because what you need to do as a parent is you're teaching your child how to behave. Is this a behavior I want to teach my child? Yeah. Do you lash out and say that you're a nasty piece of you know what? Or do you say, you know, I really didn't like that behavior. Maybe we need to talk about this. You know, depending on obviously the, the age of the child because it's, it's a whole thing. And then postpartum depression. I think all parents, mothers and fathers should know about postpartum depression because it can sneak up on you very, very suddenly. 10 and to fathers 20%. have it too, right? Yes. 10 to 20% of mothers can get postpartum depression and there are risk factors for that. So moms need to know if they have a risk factor for that uh, because oh, 25 to 50% of partners of a mother with postpartum depression will actually have postpartum depression. I mean, that's, that's a huge a number. Yeah. It is a huge number. And fathers do not show postpartum depression the way mothers do. Father's symptoms are more withdrawal. They'll, um, they're more anger. You know, people, mothers will tell me my husband's personality completely changed after he was born. I don't know who he is. Yeah. And you got to know that this is a postpartum depression. And once the father knows that this is not, he's not going crazy. He's not less of a man. There's nothing wrong with him. It's just something that he's going through. He can reach out and get help. Yeah. And in my book, I actually wrote about, uh, uh, you know, natural ways to deal with postpartum depression, like dietary things, uh, exposure to light, massage. Mm -hmm. There's little things because I wish there was a one size fits all pill, but it, it's not. First off, you don't want a pill uh, necessarily for postpartum depression. You want to look at, you know, there's so many facets to it. You work one, you, you know, is your vitamin D low? Am I getting enough exercise? Am I using screens too much? Am I getting enough sleep? If I'm not getting enough sleep, let me talk to my, my partner. Let me see who we can garner in our, in, our, in our bigger community that can help us with this. Yes, exactly. You see, because ignoring a problem doesn't necessarily make it go away. So it's important to know these things before you, you, you have the baby, because after the baby comes, you will learn on the fly, but now you have the time <laughs> exactly. and you can be proactive because I like parents to feel empowered. I like a mom and a dad to go into parenting confidently, knowing that they're going to make mistakes, knowing that they're going to do the diaper wrong, knowing that something bad is going to come out of their mouth every once in a while, knowing that they're going to fight, but being able to look in the mirror and say, I'm doing the best I can and learning from their mistakes, not hiding and saying, oh, I'm a bad person and I'm never going to learn. But, you know, actually saying, okay, I made a mistake. What am I going to do about it? Exactly. That's the most important part. Yeah. So, so what is the biggest lesson that you've learned or you want to give away um, about fatherhood or about parenting or anything? Be aware of how important you are to your child. Be aware that your child is watching you 24 seven and it doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you do. Yes. And for fatherhood, please dads, I want you to know how very, very important you are to your children. And moms, I want you to know how important your partner being involved in the baby is. So do everything you can to facilitate that for him because it's not easy. You know, okay. men don't associate themselves with cuddly, feely, nurturing things. So right. encourage him. Let him know that you think he's more of a man rather than less of a man because he's changing a diaper. Because that's a societal myth. 
Yeah. Oh, he's a woman. He's changing a diaper. Who said changing a diaper is a woman's job? Personally, I, I wouldn't I, even even say it's a it's a it's a man's job because it's it's gross. <laughs> yeah, but Why you know, I'm glad you brought that up. In terms of changing a diaper, your mindset about changing a diaper can change. Yeah. To not, it's gross. It's a chance for you to interact with your baby fully, to be fully present. Instead of focusing on the poop and the stinkiness of the poop, focus on the beauty of your baby's body and the way it functions. You know, touch the baby's face and say, oh, you're, and smell their face because I think baby smell is the most wonderful smell in the world. Smell their baby's face, look at their beautiful eyes. Yeah, you know, exactly. and change, you know, think of that because before you know it, they won't need diapers anymore. You don't believe that, you know, those couple, three years that they're in diapers, it's hard to believe. But I don't believe that my kids are grown up and out of the house. I just don't. I miss those days. Yeah. I would do anything to go back to the diaper changing days that were stinky and icky. Yeah, that's true. I can see it with my little sister and with my, my best friend's kids. I'm like, oh my God, like they grow up so fast. Like it's unreal. <laughs> So every mindset is tremendously important. Yeah, every interaction you have with your baby can be made into positive or can be made into negative. Yeah. And that's one of the things I talk about with, with breastfeeding is, you know, even when you're having problems, every breastfeeding session, especially in the beginning, is its own individual session. Leave the failures of the past behind and say, this is a new moment. I am present in this moment. What can we do moving forward to make this into a success for both of us? Yes. Rather than, oh my God, I got to breastfeed this kid again. Is it never going to stop? Because you feel like that sometimes. Yeah. But that's a shift in mindset is important. I mean, you know, it's not easy having a baby hanging on your boob for a year and a half, two years, or however long you decide to breastfeed. It's not easy when they're pooping six to eight times a day. You know, it's not easy when they're not sleeping through the night, but you that's why self-care is so tremendously important and why what you you the way your mindset about this is tremendously important because it can be a pain in your life it can be something that you don't enjoy or you can choose and it's not going to happen every time Wananda you know but every once in a while in a day you know, you'll come back into presence. You'll be able to focus completely on the baby and truly come into the moment and enjoy that. And the more you practice it, which is why I always recommend practicing these skills before pregnancy, the more you practice it, the more adept you'll get at it and the more instinctual it will become. Yeah. And over a period of 10, 15, 20 years, it'll become a habit. You know, we gotta be realistic with ourselves. It, you know, huge changes in our life are tiny little steps taken consistently exactly mm-hmm. well, thank you so much it was it was really great like I it's amazing all the information that you shared especially from the dad side like things that I not necessarily didn't know but you don't really think about because you know I'm a woman so I think differently and that's why communication with your partner is so important because you even it doesn't matter how long you've been together you just don't know what the other person thinks, how the other person feels. No. And once you know that, you have a whole depth of relationship that you can enter into. And what I want moms and dads to remember that these skills you're using with your partner are the skills, the same skills you're going to use to have a deep, very thriving relationship with your children as they grow up. So I always think of the marriage relationship or whatever partnership, it doesn't have to be marriage, you know what I mean, but a partnership, Mm -hmm. is the training ground for parenthood. Because yeah. once you learn how to do active communication with your with your partner, you're not going to jump all over your kid. You're, it's going to it'll, it'll become more of a habit, and you'll say, maybe I need to listen. Because teenage, I always tell parents, toddlerhood is is practice for teenage. So the marriage relationship is practice for parenthood. Toddlerhood is practice for teenage because they're exactly the same behaviors, different sizes, different words. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, how can people reach you if they want to work with you or want to learn more about you and what you're doing? I have a website, which I need to change. It's kind of slow, but you can reach me there. It's askdrlinda.com. I've got an Instagram page. It's ask period drlinda. And my Facebook is askdrlinda. 
I don't do Twitter. I don't know how to do Twitter. It's not my, my cup of tea. It's okay. Um, I do I have a YouTube it. channel, Ask Dr. Linda, but the videos up there are right now were experimental videos and they're not good, but I'm planning on getting that uh, doing. If you would share the, the link on Kindle to my book, I would really appreciate that one. On yes, the, I can do my it. My book I, is I, up on Kindle. You can get it um, uh, on demand if you want a, a paper copy to use as a reference for, for, because I really don't expect you I think the way this book needs to be gone through is you you go through like one chapter, look at that, practice that, and then move on yes. to something else. I just um, leave everything in the description box so people can contact you and click the link and thank eat you. a thing. Yes, it was a joy talking to you. And then I hope you, I hope everybody that's listening, um, you know, benefited something because we're all in this together. Exactly. I mean, and with COVID now, we're really all in this together. And we are, it does take a village to raise a kid, but our villages are now worldwide. I'm in Jordan, you're, you're Mary in Island. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, who knew how, yeah. we, how we came together? And I really appreciate what you're doing because I think that empowering people to know that they have lots of options and being open to talking about fatherhood, which is a topic that... As women, it's interesting for us to be talking about, but we have a lot of influence on our on our partners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So being brave enough to do that. Yes. Well, okay. Thank you so much. You are welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions when it comes to special needs kids or raising them or anything else, don't be afraid to ask. It's always better to ask than not knowing. So click the link in the description and reach out.